I'm feeling this sermon series that we in, okay? God loves blank, okay? And I don't know if, if you, anything like me, I hope I can be vulnerable today. You know what I'm saying? Like, we did God loves sinners. And I was like, I can kind of relate to that. You know what I'm saying? But still, eh, sinners, you know, that's cool. I'm glad God loved him. Come on, don't. <laughs> and then, you know, we like, God loves LGBTQ+. I'm like, that ain't my struggle. I'm so, I'm so glad God loved him. And then, you know, God loves prisoners. I'm like, I ain't never been to prison. But I'm so glad that God loved them. And you know, you got, you know, we, the addicts. <laughs> I ain't never been addicted. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> woo, woo. My daddy took me to a crack house when I was five. And so I've, I've got like an aversion, you know what I'm saying, to anything. I ain't never smoked nothing. I ain't never snorted nothing. But you know, I'm glad that God loved, God loved them. And maybe you like me. Maybe every week of the series, you like, I'm so glad that God loved them. Well, guess what? This week for us, because here's the title for my message today, God loved Pharisees. Because you know, Pharisees only ever see the issue as them. Your inability to see, oh, come on. Your inability to see that you may be Heterosexual, somebody else may have a homosexual proclivity, but y'all still battle with lust. So whether or not it's them, actually God is using them to show you a whole lot about you. I may never seen the inside of a prison cell, but please, there's been prison doors made in my mind. There's been thoughts that I've been locked in. Oh, come on. Like the Pharisee always can see everybody else but can never see them self. And I will stand right at the front for the altar call today because your boy been going to church since he was four, okay, four years old. Parents, my, straight heathens. This is so interesting that my parents, straight up heathens, okay, these are not church people. Like, my parents were heathens, but scared to not take me to church. They never went inside. <laughs> They just dropped me off. <laughs> I can remember being five years old and, you know, my Sunday school teacher, she was a nice Pharisee. She was awesome. And, uh, you know, <laughs> she was like, now, you know that you, you, your parents had got a wedlock, right? I was like, what's that? <laughs> I went home like, dad, what's wedlock? And why y'all had me out of it? <laughs> I remember my parents being like, oh, that means we weren't married when we had you. And I was like, we need to fix that. That sounds like a problem. My parents got married when I was five years old. I was a ring bearer in their wedding, and that was their first time stepping foot in the church that they had been dropping me off at for two years of my life. Oh, my first kiss was in the basement of a church, okay? I've been doing Bible trivia since I was a kid. I mean, been memorizing scripture for a long time. If there was a poster child for a Pharisee, you looking at him? Raised in church. I, I memorized all the books of the Bible. I, oh, church, church, camp every summer. I mean, just, I, I, could, I can't sing and I was still in the choir. Church kids, come on, any church kids, any church, any church people, like you just got raised in church. And so today, today is for us because God doesn't just love the prodigal, he loves the Pharisee. 
God doesn't just love the tax collector and the sinner and the prostitute. The same Jesus that will go to a tax collector's house and talk to sinners is the same God that will walk into a Pharisee's house and engage in conversation. And sometimes we can put Jesus in our box and we're cool with Jesus going to the person's house that we think needs grace. But the moment Jesus goes to the house of your legalistic aunt who you are church hurt from their words, now we don't want Jesus to have grace for them. Oh, come on, come on, come on. It's easy to agree that God loves the LGBTQ plus as long as you see them as them. It's okay for God to love addicts as long as you see them as them. But this one is going to sting because for a lot of us, there are some Pharisees you've yet to forgive. Ooh, I'm coming for your life today. I'm coming for you today. Because not only can I admit that I've been a Pharisee, I can also admit I've been hurt by some Pharisees. There are some Pharisees that have said things in the name of God, and what they said was not godly at all. There are some Pharisees who put up doors where God wanted them to build a longer table. There are some Pharisees, oh, who tried to discredit me and disqualify me. Am I preaching to anybody who's been hurt by some judgmental, hypocritical church people, and you've been walking around with that pain for the last five years, and today at Social Dallas, we are saying that God doesn't just love the prodigal but God loves the Pharisee that hurt your feelings and God loves the person who is the who is the source of your church hurt and God loves your uncle who you was probably at Thanksgiving with who's still stuck in legalistic in a legalistic denomination and cannot see that what God is doing at your little church that you go to on Sunday oh come on it's easy to see that God loves the LGBTQ plus and the addict and the sinner and the prisoner because you don't interact with them. It's hard to acknowledge that God loves the Pharisee because for most of us that have grown up in church, when I say Pharisee, you think of Deacon Jimmy. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I remember that Deacon one time <laughs> at the altar. He pushed me real hard. <laughs> if you ain't never been pushed at the altar, I don't know if you've really been in church for a long time. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to go to Acts chapter 9. We're going to go to Acts chapter 9. And I'm glad that God loves Pharisees. I'm glad that of all the groups, like, can I be a little nerdy on you? Can I be a little nerdy? 14 people said yes. Okay, come on. Can I be a little nerdy? Can I be a little nerdy? Of all of the groups that are around in the first century, you've got Essenes, you've got Herodians, you've got Sadducees, you've got, uh, you've got all kinds of groups in the first century. The group that Jesus dialogues with the most out of every single group is the Pharisees. You've got zealots, you've got all kinds of groups. Judaism was not a monolith. There are all kinds of Judaist, Jew, Jew, Jewish uh, sects, and the one sect, the group that Jesus has the most conversations with are the Pharisees because they have the most hope at actually getting the gospel right of all the groups of all the people that God that Jesus in the flesh could have actually talked to the most oh it's the Pharisees it's not even a fair competition I love that God loves Pharisees because at one point in Acts chapter 9 there's a Pharisee that's been stoning Christians that's been persecuting Christians there's a Pharisee oh his name is Paul and and God gets a hold of this man. I'm glad that Paul, that God gets a hold of Paul because Paul goes on to write two-thirds of the New Testament. I'm glad that God loves Pharisees because God found a Pharisee who was absolutely 
absolutely wrong and thought he was right and God transformed him and that is the reason we get churches planted in Ephesus and Corinth it's the reason that a boy named Timothy gets a spiritual father in his life because God loves Pharisees the reason that God that I love that God loves Pharisees is because God loved a Pharisee named Manny Arango and when I was a sophomore in college at a pregnancy clinic scared for my life that my girlfriend was pregnant and I couldn't tell nobody because I grew up in a legalistic church God showed up and God began to give me grace and forgiveness and mercy I'm glad God loves Pharisees because if God can get a hold of a Pharisee a Pharisee will turn the world upside down for the gospel a Pharisee that same zeal that you have to persecute oh you'll use that same zeal to preach to everybody you come into contact with oh I like that God loves Pharisees because Pharisees have all this potential that's being wasted in the comment section on Instagram love that God loves Pharisees because Pharisees they got all this potential all this discipline all this truth all these convictions that ain't being used to further the kingdom Pharisees attract God's grace because God goes if I could just tweak if I could just redirect all that energy that you got Shouting in church, but your co-workers never know about the church you go to. If, you, if I could just, if I could get all that passion you got, all that, all that fervor you got worshiping God, but can't be nice to your husband. Ooh. God goes, if I could, if I, if I could get Pharisees, I could change the world. If you're a Pharisee in the room. Well, if you're a Pharisee, you probably don't think you're a... Come on, let's read Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Come on. Meanwhile, Saul... Now, i got to be a little nerdy. Saul is his Hebrew name. Okay, Paul is his Greek name. Okay, so he doesn't turn from Saul to Paul. Uh, he, he has both names because he's a bilingual human being. Uh, okay, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest who's in Jerusalem and asked the high priest for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. That's how you know you're a Pharisee. People that live in a place you don't even live at bother you. <laughs> like, I'm already persecuting people in Jerusalem. That ain't enough for me. I'm going to go 143 miles away to Damascus and persecute. The fact that people would comment on a pastor's post that ain't even a pastor. Why you care if we got a toilet on stage? You live in Iowa. Why you care? Don't even, it, don't, it ain't for you. Come on. Come on. I was in a comment section just defending. I'm an eight on the Enneagram, so you know. So that if he found any who belonged to the way, whether... Or, now this is an interesting fact, because in the first century, the only people that were really persecuted religiously were men, because men were the only religious leaders. 
But Christianity shows up on the scene, and it's the first religious group for men and women to both be persecuted, which means that elevating women to a position of leadership is not a new thing. All the first century realized that if we were ever going to stamp out this thing called Christianity, you better not just go after the men, but you better go after the men and the women because the women were prophesying and preaching and leading. Do I have any women in the building who are like, thank God. Come on, uh, he found any who belong to the way, whether men or he may take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a from flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute? Why do you persecute? I need you to see this because the previous verse told us who Saul was persecuting. Who was Saul persecuting? The way. the way, which is the church. But Jesus shows up and says, why do you persecute? Uh-oh. See, anyone who thinks they can have a relationship with Jesus, but not with his bride, is sadly mistaken. Because Jesus says, mm-mm, that ain't even a church. That's me. Oh, I need to remind somebody, there may be a Pharisee that you had a bad experience with at church and you think you can throw the baby out with the bathwater and you can just sidestep the church and have your own one-on-one personal relationship with Jesus. I wish it worked that way, but baby, it does not. Jesus says the church is a non-negotiable. And if you talk bad about the church, you're talking bad about me. If you gossip about the church, you talk, you're gossiping about me. And you may get Will Smith if you keep gossiping about my bride called the church anyway okay let's keep going i got adhd stop distracting me (laughs) who are you lord saul asked i am jesus whom you are he replied now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do i love that god don't give him no instructions because pharisees love an instruction paul is forced to now trust and have faith and be blinded when really Pharisees love control. And so now Paul is in a scenario where he can't control what other people do. He can't control what he does. He just has to blindly follow the people that he used to lead. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. Everybody say, hey, Ananias. This is where it gets good. The Lord called to Ananias in a vision. Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas. On straight street. I love that God gives like specific directions. (laughs) Judas on straight street. Because if you Ananias, you are not about to want to obey what God is about to say. And ask for a name, a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Peep Ananias' response. I love this. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. God 
The last person I want to go preach to is a Pharisee. God, no, Lord, 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 oh, send me to the sinner. Send me to the prisoner. Send me to the addict. Send me to anybody. But a Pharisee? First of all, they're going to pick apart what I got to say anyway. First of all, they, they, I don't want to talk to no Pharisee, and he's done harm. I want to preach today on God loves Pharisees. And, and, and really, before we even dig into the meat of the message, I, I got to give you like five clues that, that there's an inner Pharisee in all of us. Like, like, let's just be real. Like, there's a little tiny Pharisee in all of us. If you've been in church for like longer than three weeks, like there's this, like you get saved and then there's this little, it's like, it's like a Pharisaical spirit begins to manipulate your human nature. There's a little Pharisee in all of us. Here's the first clue that there's a, there's a little Pharisee in all of us. Here's the first clue. You ready for the first clue? Three of you. Okay, you, you ready for the first clue? Here we go. You've elevated personal convictions to the place of biblical commandments and universal standards. See, 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 you got a personal conviction, a personal conviction. It ain't nothing wrong with a personal conviction. There are clear commandments in Scripture, and they typically start with thou shalt not. And then there's personal convictions in the way that you are going to obey that commandment. And so here's what the Pharisees would do. Here's what the Pharisees would do. They've got good intentions because if we're ever going to forgive the Pharisees in our life, then we have to first humanize them. So we have to realize that they are not doing this out of malice or ill intent. The Pharisees are doing this out of fear. So here's what happened. They would build a fence. Everybody say fence. They would build a fence around the Torah. The Torah is God's commands, God's good law, God's commands that are good and righteous and holy. And let's say God's command says, don't work on the Sabbath. That's a good command that you should take one day off out of seven. Come on, close on Sunday. That's my Chick-fil-A. One day off. That's a good thing to do. It honors the Lord. Great command. So here's what the Pharisees would do. They would build a fence about 20 feet out from the law because they figured if you never break this one, you'll never break that. So here was the law. They said, okay, the law says don't work on the Sabbath. We are going to build a fence to protect people from even getting close to the law. Let's put some guardrails out. So, so, so when we was in Egypt, we used to have to make bricks. When we were slaves, we made bricks. That was work. We never got a Sabbath, never got a day off. And, and man, making bricks requires uh, dirt and water because they built using mud bricks, mud bricks. So you know what? We don't want people to break the real commandment. We don't want people to break God's law. So you know what? If, if, if you're walking down the road and you got to spit, you, you, you need to spit on a rock. Because if you spit in the dirt, your spit is going to mix with the dirt and it's going to make... And mud is how we made, and bricks is how we work. And so we are going to create a fence around the Torah so that we never even get close to breaking God's commands. Then comes a man named Jesus. Walking on the road, sees a blind man and goes, oh, this is a perfect opportunity to spit, not on the rock, but to spit in the dirt and to make some mud and the very thing that the pharisees think is gonna bring damnation into the man's life begins to bring deliverance into the man's life because jesus don't care about your little rules jesus cares about god's law and jesus never broke any of god's laws jesus breaks our traditions 
See, 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 we all build a fence. We all build a fence. Nothing's wrong with your fence. The problem with your fence is if you try to take your fence and put it in my yard. Nothing wrong with your fence. You need that fence. Go ahead. Take your fence. But you know what we do? We need a fence for us. This is my fence. And now nobody can go to that concert. She's a witch. Okay, maybe she's just your idol. And maybe the Holy Ghost told you not to go to that concert. And now in an age of social media, you have now used your little platform to tell all of us what concert we can't go to because God told you, you can't go to that concert. Maybe you need to stop taking your personal convictions and turning them into a universal standard for all of us. There's nothing wrong with your personal conviction. Nothing at all. People need to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and pray. Amen. Yeah, for sure. But I pray at 6 p.m. That's not good enough. It needs to be 4.37 a.m. Homie. I don't even got a problem if that's your personal conviction. But let's not act like the Bible says 437 a.m. That movie, that little mermaid movie, that's an Aquarius spirit. For real? I don't dress my kids up for no holiday. I don't care what you call it, harvest or Halloween or whatever. My kids ain't dressing up. Okay, cool. Don't dress your kids up. But why do you got to tell me? Why you got to make your personal conviction a universal standard for me? We live in an age of social media where we now believe that every single personal conviction that you have is somehow scriptural and a universal standard for me and my life. Pharisees. Pharisees love doing this. Okay, second clue. I got five. (laughs) Second clue that there's a Pharisee living in all of us. Everyone else's sin is a bigger issue than your sin. So you will sit and hear a sermon about Pharisees and be thinking, what Pharisee am I about to send this link to? Because it's never about you. Pharisees can see everybody else's problems and have an inability to see your own problems. Ain't it crazy how you can smell everybody else's breath is bad, but your mouth is right here under your nose. If anybody should be able to smell that your breath stank, it should be you. But isn't it crazy that human nature wants to put a microscope up to everybody else's life instead of a mirror up to their own life? When you read the scriptures, if you always got a word for somebody else and you never eat the word first before you share with others, then maybe, just maybe, you're a Pharisee. I want to preach the gospel of American Airlines. I be flying a lot, and they always give the emergency announcement. If there's an emergency, use your gas mask first. Before you share with anybody else, how about we make sure you don't die? Because if you die, you can't help nobody. How about when you hear a word, how about you take it for you first? How about you take the lifeline for you First, get the plank out of your own eye before you try to get a speck out of somebody else's eye. Pharisees have such a big deal when everybody else is sin. Can't see they sin. 
I, I just don't understand why. I just don't understand why. You're just sleeping around. Well, I don't understand why you gossip after church. See, because you rank sin. For you, there are big sins and little sins. But for a holy God, he don't see no sin as no different. This God says, yeah, gossip and sleeping around may have different consequences. But when you stand before a holy God and have to give an account for not just the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup, then actually I judge all sin the same. Pharisees love telling everybody what's wrong with them. How are you giving me marriage advice? Your marriage ain't even good. For real, auntie? Come on, number three. I got 13 minutes. Woo, help me, Holy Ghost. Number three. Some of y'all are like, you good, bro. We cool with two. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, nah, my t- I ain't got no toes left, man. I ain't got no toes left. Come on. Number three, number three, number three. You pretend to be at a level of spiritual maturity that you know isn't true. You don't even need to be a Christian for this one to be real in your life. There are non-believers. We just call it flexing. So your credit score is below 600, but you already got a 2024 Lexus? How? How you wearing designer clothes and you don't tithe? See, this is called pretense. Pretense. My image matters more than reality. You don't even need to be a Christian for this to be true. There are unsaved Pharisees out in the world. Just my looks. As long as it looks good, it is good. And when you come into the church and you come into the kingdom, you drop that at the door. You can never grow spiritually pretending to be somebody that you are not. The only way that you get spiritually mature is by saying, you know what? I'd rather be lifting these 10 pounds with the right form than lifting 100 pounds with the wrong form. Baby, I can't pray like the elders, but I know how to give God praise. I may not know all the lyrics to the songs. My eyes ain't closed like you. My eyes is open reading the lyrics to all the songs so that I can participate because I got to start where I am. For a lot of us, we're in a vicious cycle when it comes to prayer. Because what the enemy is saying to you is, one day you'll be good at praying and that's when you'll pray. And God is going, oh, it don't work like that. The only way to get good at it is to do it. It's to start. But I stutter, start. But I mumble, start. But I don't sound right, start. But I ain't memorized no scripture, start. Don't project a version of yourself that is not real. Be honest with where you are at right now. See, the Pharisee, the Pharisee wants to confess to God, but doesn't want to confess to anybody else. So Pharisees are always hiding. Pharisees are always trying to protect their ego and their image. So, so, so the Bible says this, obviously we confess to God to find forgiveness, but in the book of James, here's what James says, confess your sins to one another so that you may find healing. A Pharisee is forgiven, but never healed. Oh, Jesus. 
So you're walking in forgiveness, but you've been struggling with the same pornography addiction for years because you never got the boldness and the vulnerability to overcome your insecurities enough to be honest and transparent with anybody around you. Because it's hard for Pharisees to admit that there's an area of their life that is not as good as it looks. Number four. Anybody learning something today? Number four. It shocks you that God uses people you don't approve of. <laughs> I love this one. I love this one. Because you think you are the audition team. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just don't understand why they got the state. They don't deserve for God to you. And then you wouldn't want us crazy. The way that God heals you of your Pharisaism is sending people to you to give you a word and you don't agree with their lifestyle. <laughs> and God goes, hey, homie, guess what? I can talk through a donkey if I want to. I can, I, can, I can use a man who killed Uriah and took Bathsheba as his wife and let him write all them psalms that you be singing. I will let, so try to cancel him since you want to live in cancel culture, okay? What you going to do with Solomon who had hundreds of wives and wrote Song of Songs? What you going to do? So you just going to cancel every single person who wrote any book of the Bible? Brother, guess what? Ain't nobody perfect. Ain't none of us perfect. There's a, I, was at, I was at a church recently. I was at a church. I'm not going to say what city it was. You know what I'm saying? It may have been Seattle, but I was in a church. I was in a church. I was in a church. Pastor Robert, you know, Pharisee came up to me after the service, you know what I'm saying? And this dude, brother came up to me and he was like, I just don't agree with everything you said. <laughs> I just <laughs> said, I just don't agree with everything you said. And, and I know how to deal with Pharisees. So I said, me neither. <laughs> me neither. On my best day, I'm getting a C plus. Because we know in part. And we prophesy in part. Said on my best day, I'm 75% right. The only problem is I don't know what the 75 is and I don't know what the 25% is. Sorry. So you're going to have to have discernment. To chew the meat, spit out the bones. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not about to convince you that I'm 100% right all the time because I'm not leading a cult. I'm helping to lead a church. You don't have to agree with everything I said, Mr. Pharisee. Is it all that shocking to you that God would use a frail, failed human to communicate his word? You think I'm perfect? You think that when I step on stage, everything I got to say is flawless? You think I'm the Pope? That I'm infallible? What are you talking about? I was like, me neither. I was like, who's your favorite preacher? And he named somebody. And I was like, let me guess. Let me just help you right now. Okay, if I'm 75% right, on their best day, they're 80% right. Ain't nobody who preaches or leads worship or passes a bucket or serve. Nobody in here is perfect. Nobody. Not a person. Nobody. None of us. Nobody. So when you have critique, you can keep it to yourself. Because guess what? I probably agree. God doesn't need you to approve of the people that he's called and anointed. I know. That's
That's so shocking. Because there's a parable that God, that Jesus teaches. And he says, the enemy sows weeds among the wheat. And then the disciples are like, should we pluck up all these weeds? This look bad. And Jesus says, no, because you don't have discernment to tell the difference between what's a weed and what's a wheat. Let when the angels, the angels are the harvesters, the angels will discern between the difference between weed and wheat. Oh, I'm glad that there were some people who, if they had the choice, would have weeded me out of ministry. I'm so glad that they didn't have the final say. I'm so glad that there were some Pharisees that I grew up with that would have weeded me out because I wasn't mature enough or I wasn't educated enough or I wasn't this enough or that enough or hadn't been married long enough. I'm so glad glad that God doesn't listen to Pharisees who try to weed people out of ministry and a call and I want to tell you right now maybe the enemy has been in your head saying you need to be more mature before you start serving you need to be more mature before you volunteer no 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 homie we need you we need you to join a team we need you to park some cars we need you to pass the buckets if you think that this is a church where you got to be a Pharisee to no 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 lean in we need you. Whoever tried to weed you out in the past, guess what? No, 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 no. We weaving you in. Here we go, number five. You highlight certain commands, but downplay others. Oh, this is classic Pharisee. You love to platform your strengths. I've been tithing since I was 12. Which is true for me. I, it really happened times I was 12. For real. I have. So you want to know what the Holy Spirit said to me a couple years ago? When you going to give above 10%? Why are you Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite? <laughs> Why do you keep talking about all your wins from a decade ago? You've been benching the same weight for the last decade and then wondering why you ain't seeing no gains. Because what was heavy for you in one season is not heavy for you anymore. But the Pharisee only sees the rule. I'm going to give 10%. I'm going to check that box. But what you don't hear is the voice of the Holy Spirit saying you can put more weight on there. Yo, December 17th coming up? Okay, I'm going to go above and beyond the 10% because I'm not just a Pharisee. I'm not just going to offer to God what costs me nothing. In order for God to accept my sacrifice, there's got to be some blood in it. My, my, one of my close friends, Jesse, who I've discipled for years, one day I, I did a 40-day fast a couple years ago because we were believing God for a son. It, was, it felt like we were trapped in infertility forever. Believing God for a son. And after the 40-day fast, Jesse said, man, you're so disciplined. You're one of the most disciplined people I know. You didn't eat for 40 days. And in that moment, the little Pharisee in me wanted to be like, yeah. <laughs> That's right. But I care more about pastoring him than Phariseeing him. So I said to Jesse, dude, can I just be honest with you? That 40 days wasn't even hard. You want to know why that 40 days wasn't hard? Because the first time I fasted, I was 10 years old. 
I did a three-day fast when I was 10. I did another seven-day fast when I was in middle school. Man, I did a 21-day fast before I was out of high school. I did, I did a fast, I fasted in college. Jesse, guess what? If you put this on the altar, there'd be blood in it. But when I put it on the altar, God says, I know you can do something better. Pharisees stay stuck at whatever they think is going to impress people. I fasted for 40 days. You know, I'm a virgin. Ain't nobody in your DMs, though. I'm 30 and I'm a virgin still. Okay, cool. Would you like your trophy here or mailed to your house? Because we're not impressed. And I'm glad, please hear me. Sexual purity is vitally important. Don't play. Anyone who's bringing a bunch of baggage into a relationship is going to have to deal with all of that baggage. But please, there's some of us, we're offering God stuff that's not even difficult for us. And the Pharisee wants points for the layups that are easy. There was a wide open layup. Why nobody playing defense? You see? You see I scored? <laughs> Went to church every Sunday. <laughs> Pray every day. Okay, okay, I hear you. But you've been saved since you was nine. I've been smoking weed for 15 years. And you know what? Maybe if I put weed on the altar, there's blood in that sacrifice. You could give up food for 40 days. Just because you gave up something don't put, doesn't mean that there's blood in the sacrifice. But the Pharisee doesn't see the blood in the sacrifice. All the Pharisee sees is I gave it up. So now I've defined myself by what I don't do. Not by the God I live for. What Pharisees struggle with is putting principles over people. So you miss out on the fact that God loves people. So now you put a principle on them that they're not even strong enough to carry yet. And we want to say over your life, if you've come into this church and you got hurt by a Pharisee somewhere, and now you can see Ananias in the text. You're like, man, if I'm Ananias, I ain't going to Paul neither because Paul triggers me because I've been around too many Pharisees that every time I get excited about God, they snuff out the flame. Here's what we want to say. We want to fan the flame of God in your life. Anything you put on this altar, baby, we're proud of you and we're happy. You prayed this week? Let's go. I'll be your cheerleader. I don't care what Pharisee spoke death over you. We uproot every lie of the enemy and we declare over your life that you are called. You are anointed. There's a purpose on your life. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you from an ex-Pharisee. Can you hear me? I am proud of you. Don't know what Pharisee hurt you along the way. And I'm not promising that there won't be a Pharisee here that won't hurt you. What I'm saying is God loves even the Pharisee. For some of us, ooh, touchy. God, you really want me to go preach to Paul? God's like, yeah, I really do. Because here's what you need to know about Paul. The reason that Paul has had a Pharisaical expression is not just because of pride. But all, he's had a pharisaical expression because of fear. So for the first time in his life, he gets blinded. And now, imagine all, being afraid. It's fear that makes you want to control everything. It's fear 
that just go, just give me the rules. I'll follow the rules. Fear. And now Paul has to encounter of God that says, I'm going to put my spirit in you. Instead of just giving you a bunch of laws, now you're going to live dependent on my voice. And now you have to trust that the same voice that gives you personal convictions is the same voice that is going to give everybody else personal convictions. And you can't control them because guess what? You can't even always control you. But here's what happens when we don't have control over certain things in our life. It forces us to want control over other things in our life. So your life's out of control. So you became a Pharisee because now you want to control other people. Here's the invitation. Paul gets blinded. It's the first time where he has got to like trust somebody else. And now he can't get healed until Ananias comes into his life. Because guess what Paul has never experienced? Dependence on another human being. Because for Pharisees, guess what they want? I want a one-on-one relationship with God. Well, here's the reality. A one-on-one relationship with God is actually quite easy. God don't ever offend you. God always forgives you. God always has grace. As long as Adam and God have a one-on-one relationship, the serpent doesn't even have an opportunity to tempt Adam. It's not until there's relationship, community, for Paul, who's been living as an independent person. God, I love you by following these rules. Now God says, no, the way that you're going to love me is that you love people who you don't agree with. The way that you're going to love me is that you allow Ananias into your life to bring healing into your life, not just forgiveness. The way that you're going to love, you love me, love your neighbor. You love me, love Samaritans. You love me, love Gentiles. You love me, love the prisoner. You love me, love the addict. You love me, love the sinner. You love me, love people with a different orientation than you. You love me, love the flock. You love me, love your wife. You love me, love your husband. Now God brings Paul into a community. He brings Paul into an environment that is social. It says, what good is it if you're right with God, but you don't get right with everybody else? For Paul and Ananias, Ananias is scared of Paul. Paul feels like he don't need nobody. And the real miracle here is that healing is not possible until they come together. There's two people in the room, inevitably. I'm gonna invite both of you for prayer. Here's the first group. You realize after this message, they're the Pharisee in me. I can identify with Paul, there's a Pharisee in me. Come on, who's that for? I just wanna know who I'm praying for. Come on, there's a Pharisee in me. There's a bit of a hypocrite in me. I've got a judgmental attitude. Ooh, it may not be a big Pharisee, but ooh, I got, I got a little Pharisee in me. I want to put my personal convictions on other people. I got a Pharisee in me. Come on, who am I preaching to? Here's the next one. There's a Pharisee in my past that hurt me. Come on, there's a Pharisee in my past that, that has hurt me, that has wounded me, that's harmed me. And in this text, you're not Paul, you're Ananias. And God is saying, will you allow my grace to be big enough even for leaders who did you wrong? Can you allow my grace to be big enough? It's funny. 
Because if I can't extend grace to Pharisees, guess what that makes me? A Pharisee. Ain't it crazy how we become the very thing we hate? God says, the way that you break this cycle is by showing grace to the person who doesn't even think they need it. Can you show grace to the Pharisee? Can you be my conduit of love to someone who has been a conduit of legalism and religiosity to you? Come on, who's the first group? There's a Pharisee in me. Come on, there's a Pharisee in me. God, I ask for those of us in here may have grown up in church. There's a critical spirit on the inside of us. God, would you heal us from the inside out? That fear, that insecurity, would you begin to heal us? God, we don't want to be Pharisees. We actually want to be on fire with your word. God, would you take all that discipline and would you take all that truth that we have and God, would you redirect it? Would you take all that zeal and would you make us on fire for broken people? God, would you take all that stuff that we have? Let us be Paul. Let us be the person who's persecuting Christians, stoning Christians, but then we'll get stoned for the gospel. God, would you transform us into your agents of radical love and radical grace in the Dallas Fort Worth area. God, we want to be on the front lines of taking your gospel in the uncharted territory. God, we repent. Come on, who's that for? Maybe you've judged someone and you've thought to yourself, no, no way God could use them. Come on, can we just repent? God, we repent. We are not omniscient. We don't know everything. God, help us to trust you even when we're blinded by hypocrisy and jealousy. Now, here's the next one. Come on, you've been hurt by a Pharisee at some point in your life. And it discouraged you, it's wounded you, it's done harm. Come on, wave at me. I want to pray for you. God, we know that if somebody's been church hurt, then church is actually the only place that they can get healed. So God, we declare over everyone's life today, maybe that lie that the enemy used some church person to speak into their life has been ringing in their ear. They've been replaying it. We uproot every lie right now and we declare, God, your truth over them. God, we declare, let you be true if it makes every man a lie. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, got one last invitation. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, just one last invitation. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you don't identify as a Christian. You don't identify as a believer. Oh, Jesus loves you. God loves you. He doesn't see you through the lens of your sin. He sees you through the lens of his son, Jesus Christ, who was sent to die on the cross, not just for you, but as you. If you're in the room today and you're not a Christian, you don't identify as a Christian, but you want to be. You want to surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus. You want to trust that what Jesus did on the cross can be credited to your account. If that's you in the room, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, will you just lift up your hands? Just lift up your hands high enough and long enough for me to see. High enough and long enough for me to see. I see your hand. High enough and long enough for me to see. You're not a Christian, but you want to be. Just wave at me. Just wave at me. You're not a Christian, but you want to be. You want to repent. You need grace. You need forgiveness. There's a couple of hands all over the room. Let's pray this all together. Every single person in the room, I don't want anybody to feel singled out, so we're all going to pray this together. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you 
for a second chance. Thank you for sending your son to die in my place. I declare that Jesus is Lord. I surrender my life. I boldly confess that I am a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new is here. From this day forward, I belong to Jesus. Come on, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, we welcome you into the house of the Lord. We welcome you to this church but more importantly, we welcome you into God's family. Let's pray. God, we thank you for every single person that heard the word today. We declare that the room was good soil today, that this fell on good ground, and that it's going to produce a harvest 30, 60, and 100 fold. God, we thank you for truth. We thank you for grace. And God, we thank you that you love Pharisees. Come on, if you heard a word from the Holy Ghost today, would you give God a shout of praise?